All right. Uh, am I correct that we watched the same four streaming movies? Well, you're going to have to remind me. Okay. Yes. I had to re- refresh myself. To, mm-hmm. uh, I remembered The Old Guard for some reason, the least memorable one that we watched. Right. Uh, and Palm Springs. And then I remembered First Cow. Yes. And I added Relic to my uh, yeah. To yeah, my I watched. I watched Relic. Great. Um, okay. Which one's that again? What happens in that one? <laughs> That's the one with Emily Mortimer, and it's an Australian horror movie. Oh, right. The three. Another Australian horror movie where there's a scary thing that's a metaphor for, right? You know, trauma. In this case, dementia. Uh, spoiler. Ari Aster, nowhere in sight. No. Um. Yeah. So where do we begin? I yeah. You reminded me that First Cow was releasing. I had been so looking forward to seeing that in the theater when things shut down. Um, so I was very glad to catch up. I think that's the big title of the week that felt like, you know, a new movie that I was excited to, to see. Uh, do we just jump right into that one? Yeah, let's jump into there. So first cow 2019 American drama film directed by, is it Kelly Reichard? Is that how you say? Anyway, it's screenplay by Reichard and Jonathan Raymond based on Raymond's novel, the half life. And this is about two people this is in oregon it is the 19th century i believe and one of the guys um is a cook for a bunch of fur trappers and he's rather hapless and mistreated by them and he meets this man at night who is naked and desperate um and uh chinese in background yeah i believe so yeah Played So these guys are John Magaro and Orion Lee, and he helps him. And then they end up crossing crossing paths again later on when they're both free to be. And they discover that the rich guy in town has had a cow imported to him and that they are able to steal the milk in the middle of the night and use that milk to make the very best baked goods to bring to market that become locally famed. And this this grift, um, keeping it keeping it going is is the is the tension of the movie and the the friendship and the and the pretty intimate relationship between the the two men is is right up front and center. Um, what do you think of this movie? Uh, I thought it was excellent. It was it's very understated. It's slow, uh, although there's some unexpected intensity about it that i want to talk about in a second Mm -hmm. i but there was and yeah there's an understated kind of charm and coziness in the trailer that definitely uh exists in the film it has a very it's just a movie that i don't want to say that it's super realistic because i don't know if it is i don't i think there might be some anachronism in the way they talk but it just it's a movie that definitely embraces the the feel of its of its time period It, it depicts a much slower way of life and, a, and, a, and, a, and the kind of fledgling, uh, it's really, it's a charming tale about a, a friendship, but it's also kind of a, a, a nightmare capitalism prequel. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's that, I guess that's what I'll just say that that's what I didn't expect about it was that, uh, it is cozy and it is nice. And these are g- good guys and you root for them, but the movie is, has so much more tension than I expected. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, just just in terms of of the 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 grift, as you say, that they're pulling, and something that the movie shows you at the start of the film 
that colors right. everything that you see afterwards. It so I found it almost unbearable in moments, but I I enjoyed it. I appreciated it because I felt like that's how I was supposed to feel. Yeah, I felt like there were two movies here. The second one that I preferred began with the cow's entrance. That's mm-hmm. where it really took off. I had a hard time getting engaged in the beginning even though I understand what they're trying to do to set up who these guys are and their relationship together, I have a hard time deciphering what the characters are saying or what any of it means or what plot is happening, but really not too much plot was happening. You're just watching the plight of these two of these two fellows. And I found that to be less interesting. I found their, their um, con to try to steal the milk and then, make their baked goods and then hide it. And then they're called into the service of the guy who they're stealing from. I thought that was fun and interesting. Yeah. I, I've seen some people say, Oh, put it on a double bill with parasite. And I'm thinking, eh, hmm. some common themes maybe, but we forget the parasite was wildly entertaining. <laughs> right. And yes. I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call this film entertaining in no, any way. Slow burn. Real slow burn. And I think that there's something for analysis with these with this guy's relationship. Like it's truly a queer relationship. That doesn't mean sexual. It mm-hmm. just means, you know, away from any heteronormativity. These these two men know that they're different from other people and they find each other and they seek to set up a life together that is different from what their society or world says is a life you can set up for yourself. Like they're they're very much a couple. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie about uh, people finding each other. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I just, I want to avoid spoilers because it's a new release and it's worth watching and it, it'd be better to watch it not knowing anything. So I, I guess I was just so beguiled by their, their friendship and relationship that I was very put off by elements of where the story goes. I'll just say that. Mm. Uh, but it just made me sad is all I'm saying. So I, I guess yeah. I, I'm spoiling by implication. But um yeah, I, I, uh, Toby Jones should, deserves a mention as the mm-hmm. chief yeah. factor, the uh, the rich guy in charge and the the capitalist uh, with the cow who uh, they steal his milk and sell uh, cakes and things right back to him. And that starts off funny and then gets increasingly kind of uncomfortable. I, I agree with you. There's a lot of things going on. It is not an exciting movie. You have to buy into it and, and care about the characters, but I think it's easy to do that. And... Um, I had a I had a really good time watching it. Yeah, artful. Aliyah Shawkat is in the uh, opening sequence for some reason. I know. I f- kind of felt like that's like Drew Barrymore at the beginning of Scream or yeah. uh, whatever. Just casting someone who is way recognizable to give impact to a very small moment. Yeah. Maybe likewise. I mean, not not as recognizable maybe to most people as as she, but uh, Renee Abergena is in a very small role. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's a very recognizable staple of TV and Broadway and everything. So, and I think he passed away last year. So this must be one of his last screen appearances. You know what I noticed? And maybe this has been obvious to everybody else for a real long time. But when you're watching movies on Prime and you pause, the cast that appears in the pause screen are the characters in the scene. Yes. I believe that's called X-Ray. Oh, that that is so helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I just noticed it by accident. I was like, why does the cast list always change when I pause to go do right. something? Although it can be spoilery. If somebody's walking down a hallway alone, right. two actors pop up, you know, know who's about to attack. I know. Watch watch your pausing. <laughs> right. Careful, everybody. Careful out there. 
Yeah, so I would I this I don't know if this is top ten of the year list, but I no. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, it might end up being top ten. Look at where right. we're at. Right. I mean, it, I I did enjoy it. I I think that it's one of those that if I went back and watched it again, already yeah. having the shape and the characters, that I would probably enjoy it more. But it was good. Like uh, Portrait of a Lady, it's not even really a 2020 film, but I saw it. Right. It wasn't available to me to see until this year, so. It would have been considered, I think, a, a 2020 film year release, right? It would have been in mm-hmm. this year's conversation. All right. So that was uh, First Cow, available to rent on all the all the platforms, I think. I mm-hmm. saw it on Amazon. And then, oh, Palm Springs is the other big new release that everybody's talking about. Let's talk about Palm Springs. Uh, okay, let's do it. Let me call it up. I was lucky enough to see a test screening of Palm Springs just a few weeks before uh, shutdown, lockdown, quarantine stuff happened. Mm. And uh, it was cool. It was a full on test screening with filling out the forms and, Mm. you know, raise your hand if whatever. And, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. I didn't even we didn't know till the movie started. Uh, You could kind of got you got some clues from the paperwork and all that. But I felt like I kind of uh, got lucky for something strange and, and, and weird and funny like Palm Springs. It's a 2020 comedy romance film directed by Max Barpacow and written by Andy Ciara. And it is a production of the lonely Island, which is uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Yorma Tacone. And I forgot the other guy's name, the three guys from lonely Island and SNL digital shorts. They produced this movie. It is a, a kind of an indie riff on the, uh groundhog day infinite loop time loop uh movie and andy samberg stars as niles and the 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 clever twist of palm springs is that we meet this character uh when he's already been stuck in the time loop for quite a long time and he's has quite a swagger about him uh he lives his life in a very different way because uh, i i don't i think they intimate at one point he may have been doing this for hundreds of years or something Mm -hmm. um and he's, you know, had the opportunity to live many lifetimes and, and get to know many people and pull many uh, pranks and, and things like that. Uh, and then at a certain point, Kristen Milotti, uh plays Sarah, who is uh, pulled into the time loop with him and kind of has to be orientated to her new life. Uh, and along the way, we discover that she's not the only uh, other one who has been. Uh, sucked into the time loop. J.K. Simmons is there. All of this is taking place in one day in Palm Springs at the wedding of Sarah's sister. Um, and Niles is there with his girlfriend, who is a bridesmaid, just like Sarah. And so we have the drama of the family, uh, uh, the back, uh, the uh, behind-the-scenes wedding stuff. I didn't spend any time thinking about these movies, so all of this is totally off the hip. But uh, you know what? I'm... I'm in the flow, baby, and I totally remember what happened in this movie. (laughs) Anyway, that's the movie. It's pretty popular. I think a lot of people are streaming it. Uh, It is on Hulu. That was the only difference when I saw the test screening is that there was no mention of Hulu in the credits. I believe it was an A24 or an Anna Mm. Perna or something like that. And then now it says Hulu original on it, which is pretty funny. And anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was very funny and original when I saw it. I think it is a little bit silly. It gets a little sitcom-y with some of the, has a lot of opportunities for cutaway jokes and a lot of goofiness. I think it maybe gets up its own butt a little bit with some of the relationship stuff toward the end, but it's a nice brisk 85 minutes, I think. And um, I had a lot of fun both times I saw Palm Springs. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I agree. I think that 
I mean, as opposed to First Cow in this way, this movie is very entertaining, more entertaining than I think a film with really kind of an unoriginal premise deserves to be, but it just is. I, I kind of, it kind of makes me wonder at the initial conceit, like, why did we think we would do kind of a Groundhog Day thing? What What is going on in our culture or in the, you know, the greater milieu that would, that this is how we're feeling right now. But with that reservation aside, um, what, what a great cast. I laughed throughout everything, um, all the different ways they tried to use the premise I thought was interesting. Um, Andy Sandberg, I've always thought he was okay, but I thought he was particularly good in this. Um, mm-hmm. Kristen Milioti, um, she gives what to me is still one of the uh, most haunting musical performances in uh, of the 2010s in the Once um, Broadway adaptation. Oh, um, her her singing and her pathos. <laughs> I, I I still go back to it and have like just mm. her two songs on my on my phone from that show. Um, she completely haunts me, and she's a very a very pleasing actress. Um, J.K. Simmons was curious because when we got to see his regular life, um, he seems like a pretty normal stand up guy. Why, why would you do the horrifying things that he does, even if you know that you get a reset every day? Right. I, I kind of questioned that. I, I thought think the was... answer is that you're a comedy character and they right. have, they're, they're trying to be wacky and off Right. Movie antics. I, yeah. I kind of wished that he was one or the other, right? That either he was kind of like some gruff, grizzled antagonist who showed up or just wild. Um, right. But anyway, it, that, that little thing didn't make sense. And you know the, the credit scene? I missed it completely. But that yeah. changes our understanding of the ending. Right. Right. Uh, the one involving J.K. Simmons, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we find. Yeah. So I guess skip ahead if you don't want spoilers, but we get a um, the main characters find a way out of the loop and we get a, a, a hint dropped that he did, too. But it also indicates that you go backwards and experience. Well, no, because he's not. Yeah. It kind of twisted my brain up. I didn't. Yeah. To the movie's credit, I didn't think about any of these things the first time I saw it. I just had a blast and laughed. And this time I kind of let myself think about it a little bit. It's also strange that like he's having a beer in Irvine and then he's in a wedding at Palm Springs, you know, a few hours later. But I mean, whatever, I guess maybe some if he's living the day over and over endlessly, maybe he doesn't go to the wedding some days. Right. That's kind of how I took it. I felt but like, as far as the ending, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I fully understand. I, I get that they got out, but right, I kind of felt like there was a lot of plot hole, which is totally fine in a movie like this. And part of the fun is thinking through those and kind of letting your mind bend. Because I was thinking, how can it be that he has done this for hundreds of years, maybe even, you know, it's a where where is time gone for him as opposed to the rest of the world? As time stood still. Does everything that has happened in the past exist somewhere that people right. have access to if they get stuck? And yeah, I was thinking when they so one one of the running jokes that they get a they really milk some good laughs out of is the way that they aggressively reset the day. If they if they've blown a day, they'll just kill themselves to reboot to another day. And but I'm thinking, is there a reality now that goes on where their guts get scraped off of the highway? And their family mourns them, you know, like. Right, exactly. It seems like each thing is like starting a new thing 
where that reality branches off from everything that's happened. And I think about too, like if he kills himself, right, then instantly he wakes up and it's the next morning. What happened to her? She's still back in that reality, but in his reality, she's coming right. in like she always does. Right. So she just had to waste the rest of the day and go to sleep, and then it restarts for her. And but then yeah, they that all both the... find each other at the same spot, even though she's right. lived more hours than he did. Yes, and I think the, the obviously there's no answers to these questions, but right. there are two general camps of uh, movie time travel, and one of them is the Back to the Future universe, where there's only one timeline and it can be altered but and so everyone just forgets the other timeline when it gets adjusted Mm -hmm. and then there's the avengers endgame one where you create numerous streams and then now there's just like you know eventually an infinite number of realities and you just find the one that is nicest try to go there well and that's the problem with the closing scene because Mm -hmm. if you're just stuck and then all of a sudden everything keeps going then the idea where they could a person could go back to a time where you weren't stuck that's not a thing right anyway yeah and for for jk simmons character roy so he's got a smile on his face because she left him a voicemail tell, explaining <laughs> somehow explaining that bizarre trick she had to to get out of the time loop mm-hmm. uh and but which strangely niles didn't even think to to do that there could be a a much more nightmarish scenario where he goes in one you know one loop and suddenly niles doesn't recognize him and he doesn't know what's going on like that could have been right scary i don't know it would be scary inspires a lot of questions and does not uh offer answers it's neither here nor there uh it's a good movie it's fun it's funny Mm -hmm. watch it hey if you had to pick uh pete davidson andy sandberg would that be a tough one um andy samberg really okay i think that's my answer as well i think i mean i like them both i think that i don't know andy samberg um to me brought like even like a leading man sexiness to this role that i hadn't seen Mm -hmm. in him before where he wasn't just playing a goofy um kind of comedic um lead though he was still being himself but i was just like oh he's he's got something there it's good for his for him to have a character that's shaggy and dangerous because he does the same kind of stuff on like Brooklyn Nine Nine, but he's got to be this you know straight laced cop, which apparently they're retooling that whole show anyway. But yeah, this was a little more uh, he could do more and inhabit the character. Yeah, more. he was. I, I like. I mean, he was casually sexually fluid and ambiguous, and that wasn't a right. hang up of the screenplay. Like there was yeah. there was just an ease about him. Um, as, as a sexual person that I think comedy characters don't often get. Uh, yeah, it's good. Check it out. Uh, now I think we're getting to the more complicated yeah. titles <laughs> to, to discuss. Uh, we got the old guard and relic. Well, let me talk about relic first. Okay. I want you to talk about the old guard. Cause I don't even know what I'd say. Okay. Relic, gonna be rough, yeah. 2020 horror drama film directed by Natalie Erica James. From a screenplay by James and Christian White, starring Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin, and Bella Heathcote. So we've got three generations of women, and the grandmother lives alone and has not been heard from. And so her um, daughter and granddaughter, who has grown, um, come to find out what's going on with her. And clearly they've had um, some distance in their relationship. They're kind of learning too late. 
what is going on. Strange happenings are going on around the place. The grandmother turns up out of nowhere after being missing. She appears to be okay when the doctor checks her out, but she does have this one strange bruise on her chest that they need to watch out for. Um, It seems like her consciousness turns on a dime and the relationships are bothered. People are harassed by strange happenings of the house. And then it just kind of goes into very, I don't want to say predictable, like it's bad, but um, horror land, psychological thriller, stuck in a house, family trauma, um, playing its way out between between three generations. Um, do you have more about the plot there? Oh, um, no, I don't know that I do. <laughs> I mean, we can just get into the themes of the movie, yeah. but yeah, that's generally it. It devolves into kind of a, a horror nightmare by the end. And you realize at some point, hopefully that you're watching, uh, something with layers of meaning. Yeah. Um, it has, it can't be anything other than that. I I thought the, the look of it is good. The, uh, performances are good. It was sort of slow in the beginning, but I didn't mind it. Another thing is like Palm Springs. I mean, the only way I think that it resembles Palm Springs of kind of an unoriginal premise, um, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like I've seen this movie before a few times. Um, very strange ending. I wasn't sure what the ending meant. Yeah, a lot of uh, body horror and gross stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and also this movie's getting compared a lot to another Australian horror movie, The Babadook. I I don't know that it's a real one to one comparison, but they are both. Uh, female directed horror movies where it's not really about the jumps and the scares and the, the, this one, even more, it's not about the, the evil presence so much as it's about the themes Uh, and the opening moments of this one, the very opening cold open scene. uh, I thought this was just going to be a Blumhouse style kind of like there's a creepy thing in the house, Mm -hmm. you know, and things jump out and I was kind of like, all right, I guess, but then it's not at all. It's very, um, it's not terribly original. You're right, but it is, uh, I just I, I admire this movie a lot for what it seems to want to do. I don't know that it's always successful. Um, it is only ninety minutes. It's a nice uh, short watch. It, even then, it felt a little long. Um, and so, yeah, I guess um, again, we we always get into it here. It's kind of hard to talk about movies on the level we do without. Um, I don't even know if there's spoilers because everything that just happens is so right. crazy. But eventually, what what you come to realize is it's not so much that this house is haunted by an external demon or 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 an evil presence it's that uh gran is suffering from dementia and uh it's about the way dementia is haunting her life and then bleeding into the lives of the other two generations of the family emily mortimer's character has uh it's apparent that she has been quite distant she's been pushing her mother away as she ages um partly because she's just a busy professional and life gets in the way. But I think ultimately we discover she is horrified of uh, the idea of dementia. There's a story I I didn't quite follow a hundred percent, but there is a story that she heard when she was a kid. I don't know if it's from their own family or if it's just a urban legend that she heard, but this, the, the horrible story of an old man who is abandoned. He has dementia and his family doesn't know what to do with him. So they abandoned him in a cabin in the woods, basically where he just goes insane and deteriorates. 
the way I took it, the way I took the events leading up to the ending is that Emily Mortimer has been, you know, paralyzed with fear at this story. And as she sees her mother begin to lose her faculties, she her her instinct is to distance herself. And then now with her mother missing, she has to go help get her house in order and, and find her and, and be with her. And then she has a choice to make. And I feel like the big ending um, is, is her choosing to suffer uh, in in this in this condition with her mother right and that's, that's and then the granddaughter also making the same choice kind of in this you know very kind of like, obvious the ending is very like visually obvious and yet i don't know 100 percent what it means um but yeah that was that's how i read it yeah i think that that's a good read it's pretty um it's not very deep you yeah. know but but i think that's what it is yeah, and so uh, to get really specific and spoilery about the end, there is this bizarre uh, body horror ending, as you say, and essentially, you know, th- there's, there's been this black mark on the the grandmother's chest, uh, and it gets worse and worse, and kind of is, is her flesh seems to be rotting, um, and essentially Emily Mortimer just just starts peeling this off. Mm-hmm. And peels off her basically her her flesh, and all that's left is this kind of sleek, black, almost fetal skeletal mm-hmm. being that just lays down on a bed, and then she lays down next to her mother, and then her daughter comes in and lays down next to her. Uh, and I found it beautiful. I would have maybe liked a little more to like get me there. I don't know. I, I felt like it was very left field, but I felt like at least we're seeing, this is the first thing in the movie where I feel like, well, this is unique and the only this movie has this. So it's got to be very personal to the, uh, to the director. It just, that's the one part that doesn't read. So, so blatantly. Right. I think you just kind of have to go with, go with the ending. Um, because is that her mother? It seems like it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Are you, are you... by, by this point, her mother has either been replaced by or possessed by and has become kind of this spends a lot of this last half hour of the movie chasing them now. Right. Uh, the granddaughter becomes lost. I kind of liked that maybe went on a little too long, but there's business with the granddaughter being upstairs, exploring the walk in closets and getting right. lost in this seemingly endless. And I to like me, that that's like visualization of dementia. Right. Um, I don't know why the granddaughter is experiencing it other than just being, you know. The one thing that did resonate with me strongly in this movie was choosing to experience aging. Like, you know, we tend to we do tend to put elderly people at a distance and infantilize them and act as if they do not have the cumulative the cumulative trauma and experience of being a human being longer Mm -hmm. than anyone else. And this movie is kind of willing to look straight at that. And I do appreciate that. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if the the being at the end was because, like you say, she'd been chasing them and harassing them and threatening them. What happened to that motivation and that that being? Now all of a sudden, that this has been stripped right. away, suddenly they're nice again, and like that's is that to be her mother's most core self? Right. Well, there was kind Weird. of a decisive moment where. Emily Mortimer assaults her or attacks her or stops her from attacking. And then they have a chance to escape and leave her laying on the floor. So I don't know if something happened at that moment where the spell was broken or maybe she had, it was a fit, a violent fit of dementia that passed. uh, And they, and there was a a conscious choice to face her and humanize her again. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know 
I don't quite get where the actual like evil entity stuff and the thematic whatever begin and end. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's relic. Right. Yeah. All right, Dan. The old guard is a 2020 action adventure fantasy film. Now, here's the interesting thing: is that I heard, um, I heard that this movie was great <laughs> from numerous critics, oh. even. That the, oh the old guard on on Netflix is is uh, Charlize Theron in in her badass mode. Uh, you got to check this one out. Very original. And uh, I watched it. And oh. yeah. <laughs> so this is based on a graphic novel, which I did not know when I first watched it, but that would have helped because I just right away assumed from the way people were talking about it and from the way the film opens, I assumed that this was some kind of a war drama or something that was going to be serious and heavy and, you know, really take me somewhere. And then it just, it's, it's essentially about immortal people who can't die. And they're like trying to like fight bad guys through history. Um, and they're the old guard. Yeah. That's, and that's, it, oh, that's why that's called that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's so ba- it's, it's so based on a graphic novel that, and it's, that oh, it's like so many graphic novels where it's just a pastiche of things, most of them cliches that have been overdone, but they're supposed to be remixed in a fresh way. And they, you know, they have their, they use military gear, but they've been around for hundreds of years. So they've also got these ancient weapons. And, and so there's, there's some things that I feel like are just based on a visual idea. Somebody had, uh, Charlize Theron is great. She plays Andy, who is kind of the, I guess she's the oldest, and she's the one who's put together this crew. She's identified and, and located the other immortals like herself. Uh, these are people who can be killed, but they will always come back to life. And then eventually, though, we learn they begin to uh, feel pain and they don't heal as quickly. And the immortality will unexpectedly wear off at some point. Uh, the team also includes, let's see, Matthias Schonertz as Booker. Marwan Kenzari as Joe. I think I'm reading the cast list and I'm assuming these people are uh, Luca Marinelli as Nikki. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor is Copley, who is, I don't know, a CIA guy who is, his allegiances are dubious and we don't know if he's their friend or their foe from scene to scene. And Kiki Lane uh, plays Niall, who is a young woman who is newly uh, discovered to be immortal. And she kind of is the audience surrogate character who's now joining the team and she's reluctant. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, I liked her. She was one of my favorite things about it, just in terms of her performance and her energy. Uh, And Charlize Theron is great. This movie just is a dumb pile of cliches that barrels on towards an overly self-important climax uh, with a lot of shooting and uh, the kid who played... Dudley Dursley in Harry Potter is this tech yeah. guy who's a villain who wants their essence to use it to help people, but he's got to kill him to get it. And it's just, I don't know. I got very, very tired of this movie by the end. Yeah. I thought the title was a reference to the green lighting team who let it, let it happen because right. it's, ev- yeah. <laughs> it's everything yeah. that would look good to a, a, a committee I don't know, 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. It's just so old fashioned. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is, are there just no new stories? Because this has been my complaint that there's just nothing original lately, but this certainly wasn't. And 
these people don't experience any threat. Like besides the fact that their immortality, you know, after hundreds or thousands of years wears off, there's no kryptonite. So they just go around doing whatever they want and whatever happens to them, oh, they just pop back up again. To me, there's no stakes in that case. It's not interesting just to watch people get harmed over and over again, only to have the wounds heal and they just pop right back up. That's not interesting. They even introduced the idea that, um, what's her name? Andy, uh, Charlize Theron's character, is she's taking longer to heal. She's discovering that her mm-hmm. immortality is wearing off, and that becomes stakes at one point, and they let that kind of linger for a while. But by the end, she's the leader of the crew. She's fine. It feels as if... Yeah. Th- so the, this has multiple epilogues at the end that feel so much like a, like a TV series pilot. Like... You know, the characters like checking in with each other and and surprising one surprising character showing up. Why does that character show up at the end unless there's going to be at least a sequel, if not like a series or something? If you know what I'm talking about, there's one character that they remembered from the past who was uh, the the one who was thrown into an Iron Maiden. And because she was immortal, she just lived at the bottom of the lake in this Iron Maiden for a thousand years or whatever. And then she shows up at the end. But just for two seconds, that's what you do on a TV show. You don't do that in a movie. Right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it didn't do it for me. Oh, uh, again, I'm not I'm not putting you on the spot as the podcast gay. I'm right. just curious because people are talking about the gay relationship in this movie as if it's so hot and so amazing. <laughs> I, what? what do I, you missed, think? I missed it entirely. Okay. And it was and it was only because I had seen people going off about it on Twitter that I kind of even knew to keep an eye for it. And then right. they're like in the, you know, it's not a hospital, but wherever they are being treated. And I was just like, is this it? Is this, yeah, is this what we're waiting for? I think what it was I before missed? that. I think it was in the van when they were captured and they're surrounded by these, you know, stormtrooper guys and who are making fun of them for being sensitive and taking care of each other. And then they kind of just very over the top are like, Oh, they said, what is it, your boyfriend? And he says, my boyfriend, he's my lover of the ages. And they kiss. And it's oh, like this. God. It was really bad. Well, I, I, I missed miss that moment. I missed that moment somehow. How could that have happened? Well, I sat there with the whole thing. I think I'd perk up for that. But yeah, <laughs> nope. <laughs> it didn't strike me as as uh, epic and, and daring as most people seem to be. Sure doesn't. Receiving it's it. Stupid. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, and this is over two hours. Uh, it's kind of laborious to get through. I mean, if you like dumb action and you like Charlize Theron, you know, in in badass mode, I guess it's competently made and For sure. has a cool cast and whatever. But uh, I, it was probably it was my least favorite thing of the past couple weeks. For sure, it, it was just kind of boring and uh, nothing. Nothing about it really stood out as something new or interesting. All right, well, that's four movies. <laughs> Did it. Uh, we did it. Um, probably some new ones coming out. I guess Tenet is never coming out. It's never coming I out read today. People are really upset about that. I mean, I guess I get why they're why why that would be. Um, at the same yeah. time, they're just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, they're 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 waiting it out, right? And if I mean, that's just the big thing in the whole country right now is that sometimes you got to be patient, right? And so many other movies, Palm Springs and First Cow were supposed to be theatrical releases, and they make good streaming releases. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Although I would have enjoyed seeing First Cow in a theater. But if Tenet is a Nolan movie and Nolan only makes IMAX movies that, you know, revolutionize the theater going experience, mm-hmm. then sit on it for a year. You took like four years to make it or whatever. So 
right, this is a really long time and this sucks and we all hate it and stuff. At the end of all of it, hopefully, if we make it to an end, it will have been a year of our lives, which is very, very little. So yeah. then then we'll see. Right. Tenet. Yes. The CDC said this week, if we all wore masks, we could be watching Tenet in about six to eight months. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, Dan, thanks a lot. Um, Thank you. for showing up talking movies thanks everybody this has been our podcast we are Dan and Josh you can follow us both on Twitter and Letterboxd the show is at Holds Up Pod on Twitter uh, and the music is all, as always is always by Jonah Rapino. and thanks for listening see you next time bye